welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's early afternoon, East Coast time on Tuesday, but these gents are joining me from the West Coast, from Seattle, somewhere near Seattle, Pawala, Tukwala, SeaTac. <laughs> I don't know about that pronunciation. SeaTac, right? you got. <laughs> what is it? It's Pawala, Mercer, right? Puyallup. Puyallup. It's the machine, Kevin Pelton. In Seattle now, although I used to be very close to Tequila. Oh, rapping this the is Huskies. News. The choke should have been in the Pac-12 championship football game. Yeah, little did we know how important that Arizona State game was going to see him yeah. a month and a half later. As an Ohio State fan, I thought the Pac-12 championship game worked out beautifully. <laughs> Joining us from Oakland, California, is Anscape's Mark Spears. We just saw his LSU Tigers get beat up. That's but all I got right. two you colleges and knew... bowl games. I got, we got San Jose State and the Idaho Potato Bowl and LSU and the Citrus. So we're playing. You, you knew when you went out to that game that it was going to be potential wasn't great, but you, you had a good time anyway, I think. I've never been to a game. It, it was like, I, I had to say it, like Georgia bought tickets, boy. Well, it's in Georgia. Of, yeah, it was real easy <laughs> for them. A lot of red in that building. Guess where their guess where their uh, bowl game is against yeah, the Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of red in that building too for both sides. But I just, uh, and I was like, why is that game here every year? Why doesn't that move around? That's an unfair advantage. That said, somebody saw LSU win the national title in the Superdome. <laughs> good point good point well you know starting next year in the the 12 team playoff uh the first round games will be at the campus sites oh okay so yeah right. in, in 2024 um, oh 24 where'd you go well, brian wright state how dare you my, bad. my sister my sister went to Wright State and played softball there, but I went to Kent State, which... When's Kent State going to get back into the bowl system, man? We won our first bowl in, in team history uh, two years ago, and our and our coach just left to go be Deion Sanders' offensive coordinator. Oh, really? So wasn't a great day yesterday for Kent State football. But oh, we talk about the NBA. Don't be talking about Kent State football. Um, Spears, you have a story coming out. Wednesday, when this pod comes, you had a sit down with Joe Missoula, the head coach of the Boston Celtics, uh, best team in the NBA right now. Um, got to talk to him about how things have gone for him in what has been a tremendous start after the shock uh, promotion uh, back in the summer. Um, what were some of the things that you learned from talking to Joe about how, how, the, how things have worked out for the Celtics? Well, I, I think to all of us, uh, Joe Mazzulla is kind of a mystery, right? Like, uh, I didn't know much about him at all other than him playing at West Virginia. I, rem- I remember him as a as a guard there. Um, and he, he uh, admittedly, I was like, well, why didn't David Stoudemire get that opportunity? But Yeah, you said mo- that. The day, I think the day he got hired, or so yeah, very close uh, to it. And, but... The more and more I learn about this guy and after spending time with him, he, he's a fascinating indiv- individual, and I could see why they thought he was ready. Um, I talked to Jason Tatum about him, and he said there have been two co- coaches that have shown up as assistants in Boston 
since he's been there that he kind of felt were were on the way to a bigger calling. And he said it was Will Hardy and Joe Mazzula. And he saw that when they walked in. And I, I asked him about Joe's first meeting with the Celtics players, you know, after uh, Ime Yudoka uh, was sidelined. And he, he said that what impressed us was he wasn't trying to be somebody he wasn't. Kept the same voice. Um, he wasn't like, we have to move on from what happened with Coach Udoka. You know, we can handle it and, you know, uh, take it the way we want to and move on when we want to or not move on at all. But he basically is an interesting guy because he believes in being straightforward, which I think is important for a lot of players. Uh, and also, like, he's kind of emotionless. He, he, he doesn't get emotional. He just kind of has this, like, really almost good robotic business way about him that I think the players have resonated with. Like, I think there was every reason for them to have a slow start because of this coaching change. They didn't skip a beat. They look good. Malcolm Brogdon obviously helped, but, you know, Robert Williams isn't there. And they have the best record in the in the NBA. And yes, Jason Tatum is doing amazing. And, and yes, Jalen Brown is doing amazing. But you got to give this coach credit, man, for for keeping the ship going in the right direction, for doing a great coaching job. And there's few young coaches that I have been around that have a presence that I've been this impressed with. Like he, there's just something about this guy that's it's unique and different. Great, great leader. Um, he he studied um, sports psychology and psychology at West Virginia. So so he's um, very well read. Uh, very much uses psychology in his daily approach. Um, Christian Baith guy, real like focused and faithful and you know not um, a huge fan of the british monarchy no 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 no. he's a fan <laughs> of jesus mary and joseph as he said yeah. right um, yeah uh just to be clear uh um princess william and duchess kate am i saying that right the duchess of wales yeah. prince of wales they came to a celtics game last week and there was a <laughs> there was a um a reporter after the game that asked what it was like to play in front of the royal family. And he said, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, which, you know, I grew up Catholic. I, I would have called that the Holy family, not the Royal yeah. family, but the point was made. The point yeah. was made. That's what my mom says when something crazy happened. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Like that's her, <laughs> that's her catchphrase. If she had a sitcom, you know, um, right. but he just, he, 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 like somebody asked, was it Jalen Brown? Like, it was very clear the Celtics players could not yeah, have cared less. I remember, <laughs> I remember when um, they came to a Nets Cavs game, or was it Nets next Nets Cavs? And LeBron went over there, and or maybe it was in the back. Like LeBron went over and um, you know posed for a picture with him, and he was shamed by the British, um, you know, uh, aristocracy media, if there's such a thing, because you're not supposed to touch the uh the royal family uh and he like touched them but um it was a little bit different this time the celtics were kind of like indifferent <laughs> about them coming yeah, yeah. even though he was sitting with with Grusbach, uh, the i think celtics, they'd, they'd uh, be owner. probably more impressed with the other uh couple 
the strange the other- royal couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Harry and Meghan. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he's uh, I, hopefully both of you guys get to know this guy. He's a, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I was very, very impressed with him. And, and there's a humility. There's a humbleness. And even when he got the award, he's like talked about his players and his coaching staff. Like there's no like me in him which is which is uh quite interesting as well he's about you know empowering the players knowing that it's about the players and giving his coaching staff credit and um it's just that definitely seems uh you would have thought this was like a 60 year old coach and not a 34 year old well i wonder if this would have happened a year ago i mean it's hard to say that in a vacuum because it was ema's first year but yeah um there was there was a little bit more intra team things to deal with a year ago. You know, there was some lingering stuff between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Yeah. You know, there was some stuff. The team now seems to be in a better place. Yeah. Just the dynamics within the team, and so I think if you were going to have a a situation, you know, there's some teams where this wouldn't have worked, but where the Celtics were. And they have some leaders, you know, Marcus Smart is a leader. Al Horford is not a vocal leader, but a, a quiet leader. Um, they, I mean, you know, even though Tatum's pretty, Tatum and Brown are kind of young, you, you would kind of say they're kind of a veteran team, though. Um, yeah. And maybe not in total years, but certainly certainly in time together. Well, and you, you got to add them playoff years, too. Them playoff games add experience to you as well. They've, yeah. They've been to Eastern Conference Finals twice, been to the NBA Finals. This ain't your typical young team. So there, uh, well, I remember when Will Hardy went to Utah, he wanted to take Missoula with him. And the Celtics were like, no. <laughs> um, and this is not unusual. You see this with um, sometimes when front office guys get promoted, they want to take certain guys with them. And the, the uh, team that's letting the guy go will sometimes say, no, you can't take that guy. You can take that guy, but not that guy. Or you can take that guy, but not her. Or you can take her, but not him. And uh, it's because I think Brad Stevens recognized that Missoula was valuable, even if he thought he was just going to be a lead assistant replacing Hardy yeah. uh, as opposed to what he was. Yeah. No, he's um, he certainly is, is somebody that Stevens pinpointed because that he was on the back of the bench last season, right? Second row. Yes. Yeah. So to to make that leap forward, like I, I asked Joe, I said, uh, did you at all ever think about eh, maybe I shouldn't do this? He's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was a dream of mine to get this opportunity. I felt I was ready. Like it was like, nah, like no. Yeah. I was like, even did you did you think about, well, maybe how how would he may feel? No. I was ready. Very, very confident guy. Yeah. It's always complicated when something like this happens. Usually it's a, you know, in season firing, but yeah, you got to do it. in in most cases, Um, Pelton, we've talked on this pod throughout the season so far about how great the Celtics offense has been. It's putting up 120 points per 100 possessions which even if you don't do high level math like me, that you can understand that that's really good. Um, 
do you feel like Missoula's changed much at all with what they were doing before? I don't think a ton. I think it's kind of a natural evolution. You guys talked on the pod last Friday about the addition of Malcolm Brogdon and what it's meant in terms of bringing another playmaker, another ball handler uh, to go along with already adding Derek White midseason last year and and the way that Marcus Smart has stepped into that point guard role. So this is a team that, you know, you look back two seasons ago when there was so much consternation about will Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum work together, which we don't seem to hear that these days with both no. of those guys headed for all star spots and maybe both all NBA, which would be pretty meaningful in Brown's case because the Supermax uh, at that point, there were 27th, I believe, in assists per field goal made. They jumped up to 14th last season. This year, they're eighth. So you've seen that kind of steady progress. And like, I don't want this team to be number one necessarily in assist rate because they've got guys who can go get a bucket in Tatum and Brown, and you want to give them the opportunity to do that at times. I I do think their offense is going to cool off a little bit. If you look at the second spectrum shot quality metrics, uh, even the ones that count for player talent, they have overperformed those so far by more than any other team in the league. But what that shot making has done early in the season is allowed them to cover up for the absence of Robert Williams III and still have the best record in the league and still go 5-0 and in games that Al Horford has sat out on back-to-backs where they've had neither Horford nor Williams in the front court. And all of that has positioned them that, you know, I think they're, they're the overwhelming favorites right now to have the best record in the league and, and home court advantage throughout the playoffs. We don't do trivia on the Wednesday pod, but how about this for a little trivia? Um, Tatum and Brown are averaging combined 57 and a half points Ooh. per game. There's been two sets of teammates since the turn of the century, since 2000, who've averaged at least that in a, uh, in a season. Um, one would be relatively easy to guess. One I would not have gotten if Stats and Info didn't tell me. Do you want to hazard a guess, Pelton or Spears? Alex Angelis and... Uh... No, since 2000. Since since 2000. 2000. I mean, Kobe and Shaq Shaq come to mind. Kobe and Shaq did it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. So the other one is is more obscure. Both of them are still in the league, and both of them have have been changing. Both of them have been on multiple teams in the last three years. Kyrie LeBron? Both of, both of them have been on three teams in the last four years. <laughs> and they were only teammates for one season. Oh, Westbrook oh, and Hart. Yeah. yeah Westbrook yeah, and Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Which I would not have gotten. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have remembered that. Well, that, that second average. That second tip got us both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That second half of that season where they sort of remember at midseason, they like ret- retrofitted the whole roster to take advantage of Westbrook and, you it know who I also would have thought would have been Durant and Curry. Yeah, you'd think. I don't know where they draw the line. Fifty-seven and a half. Maybe if it was fifty-five, they would have. But um, but Curry but didn't just, score that much those years. Yeah, right. And you got Clay on the team too. So yeah. So I think the the point here is that this tandem is you know historically putting up huge numbers. And yeah. you mentioned the improved um, passing. Uh, they're second in the league in assist to turnover ratio. Um, you know, they're a very, uh, they're just, they, they just, they play smart and they play responsible, uh, for the most part, <laughs> every team you can have their, have their moments, but, uh, check out that story on Anscape 
uh, Spears uh, sit down with uh, with Joe Missoula. Um, before we move on to the next topic that I had, did you guys see the trophies? The NBA announced on Tuesday the redesign of a bunch of their regular season award trophies. I didn't know there was an issue. I didn't know there was either, but I guess you refresh <laughs> things. Um, but uh, so basically now they're all encased in like crystal. Um, they're like, like it used to be like the, um, the, the coach of the year award used to be a bronze bust of like red hour box sitting on a bench. And now it's that same bronze pose, but it's now inside a, a crystal block or a glass block. And um, who did Tiffany the, do these? Who did these? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't Tiffany. It was something else that I can't remember the promotion, but here's what I wanted to bring up. Two things. One, there's a brand new award. I don't know if, I don't, I don't even know if you guys recognize this, but they announced a brand new award because it's a regular season award and um, it's a, uh, it's what we need in the NBA is another regular season award. Spears, did you see what it was? Tell me. The best regular season record award. Do you have any opinions on that? <laughs> what does that get? I mean, I guess I think, that's, that's what it gets you is that award, right? Right. <laughs> What, what's inside is, is like uh, somebody going like uh, this. I mean, what, 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 what? <laughs> shrugging. You know what? I, let me take a look. I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, it's it's just, just a, there's a, like Steph Curry and uh, Steve Kerr. Seventy three and nine, baby. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um. Yeah, All right. Uh, but here's what I thought was interesting. So why they exactly. named that award uh -huh. the Maurice Podoloff Trophy. It's a brand new award. Um, also, there, um, uh, <laughs> the Joe Dumars Award, is, which is for sportsmanship, is kind of strange. It's two guys shaking hands. It's, it's just it's kind of weird. Um, no, it's just a, it's just a crystal sphere. There's nothing. In it, just a crystal sphere. It's a basketball. Um, okay. But here's what I think is interesting. Here's why. Low day in the NBA. Huh? Here's why I brought this up. Yeah. So they're naming this after the first commissioner of the NBA, and they're calling it the Maurice Podoloff Trophy. Okay. To parody myself, why would they do that? Because the MB the MVP trophy is currently named the Maurice Podoloff Trophy. Well, with all due respect to Maurice Podoloff and his descendants, I'm not sure he should have his name on two trophies. So while I've done no reporting on this, it just so happened they, within they the last hour. They didn't change the MVP trophy name? Well, they didn't the announce that yet. Yeah. Okay. But it looks like they may be. Do, you, do we have this Bill Russell aggregation or... correct? It looks like they could be mm -hmm. setting the stage for changing the MVP award name. So they didn't, they thought the Podolo family was going to get pissed off. So they, they well, came up with this, I, this I other mean, I, award. Respect I to the Podolo family. 
more ideally, I would have done like, you know, two days worth of reporting and I would be able to tell you exactly what's going on here. So I just you know what I know what they should have did. They need to bring back the comeback player of the year award, I think. Like I would much rather had seen that than the best regular season trophy. Well, you know what had the comeback player of the year started to be named for guys who are coming off drug suspensions. Yeah, but this is a new day, man. Like get over. I know. Well, so they changed it to the most improved. But you know, there's a lot of but I think I think but I think there's yeah, those are two separate things. To me, it's I mean, back like and improving. Clay, yeah. Clay, Clay would have got yeah. that award. And I think yeah. that I think that kind of award is inspirational. Like make, make it more of like a, somebody that just like came back from some adversity, somebody that came back like most improved. And I, I, I think the NBA's missed the mark by not having that comeback player of the year award because that's that's something where I think people can gain some inspiration from. Okay, that's a great point. But the, re- but the reason I brought this up is because I think they might be renaming the MVP trophy. Who should? No, no. Who do you think? Like, if that's it's either going to be Russell doing, or Kobe. Well, Russell, Russell, Kobe. Says, Russell already has the finals MVP, and then Kobe, and Kobe has, has the also MVP. Right. Now, I'm not saying they couldn't change it. Maybe they name it after David Stern. Okay. Excellent point, Spears. But Adam Silver has kind of already implied. Again, I don't want to get caught in aggregation here. He's kind of already implied that the midseason trophy will be called the Stern Cup or something like that. The midseason tournament award or what you're competing for. He at one time, I think, said, you know, he even used the name. Well, he called it the Stern Cup. Was that, so, that was his original idea? By the way, it could be Russell. It could be Stern. I'm just saying it's called the Adam Silver Award. I mean, the calling calling the in-season tournament (laughs) the Silver Cup actually makes more sense because it would be funny to call it the Stern Cup, given that he (laughs) he didn't do the in-season tournament. It was Silver who wants that. Silver Cup has a ring to it. (laughs) It's also definitely not the gold. You're not getting gold. (laughs) The gold trophy is at the end. Um, The silver trophy would be in the middle, but. If they were, you know, if they were to rename the MVP trophy, what what do you think they're doing here? Do you think they're? I just don't think there's going to be two Maurice Podoloff trophies. Okay, so it looks to me like they're making a move, and I've thought about Kareem. Kareem won the most MVPs, seven, I believe. Um, you know what? He's a. Be- Can I say this too? We got to give Kareem more respect for what he did for this. Okay, game, well, here's like, a way like, to do it. Yeah, man. Like this dude, I whether you liked him or not as a person, like his impact on this game and his, his scoring, and he didn't shoot any threes. Pretty incredible. So I'm I'm all for it being named after. How many three pointers do you think Kareem made in his career? Maybe one, because it was last second buzzer thing. I don't know when it was, but he made one. Yeah. I think it was one of 18. So he must have had some heaves. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I mean, you know, all 18. I mean, there great. isn't anything named after Jordan. Oh, how did we miss that? I, I'm spitballing. I don't no, know. No, no, no. But how, how did that's maybe that's a way to get him to show up to more things, right? <laughs> well, hey, Jordan. <laughs> 
hey, there was a lot of guys who didn't show up to the the seventy um, fifth anniversary in Cleveland well, last did. year, which Jordan did. And I th- and there, there was a, there was some active players or recently retired guys who didn't show. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. And they might have made room on the MVP trophy. Now, I will say that. I think that makes sense. It's interesting. There's nothing you know, named after him, right? Right. But Kareem has won the most MVPs. And this is the year where Kareem, there's a, it seems like, you know, LeBron's on pace to, to break his ultimate record. Although you could argue maybe the more unbreakable record is the MVP. I mean, it's hard to imagine somebody winning, I mean, seven MVPs. I mean, that's, you have to win eight to surpass yeah. him. I think, is he, do you have six or I want to check that. Um, I thought he had maybe he has six. I thought Jordan had but doesn't, six. So, but Kareem seven. also has the um, like the social justice award named after him, right? Yeah, they did hmm. just do that, didn't they? Ah, that's what I'm wondering if this gets named after Jordan. Because I bet you, if you ask Kareem, he would say having his name on the Social Justice Award probably means more to him than on an MVP. Kareem won six, Jordan won five. Yeah. Um, uh, Russell and Jordan. I mean, like you, you could. So that that could eliminate. I I don't think Kareem's name goes on it because it's on the other award. Look, they may not even be changing it. I'm just saying it's odd that there. There, I don't. I think it's odd. There's going to be two Podoloff trophies. So name it after Michael Jordan, man. And I don't think anybody would. Com- I don't think anybody with, would debate that. Uh, like an impromptu road trip with him somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now that that might get guys playing playing oh, harder like the, the regular that's, season. That's the that's probably that comes with that award. If, if you give somebody a trip with Michael Jordan, that's a lot bigger incentive to to care about the regular season than probably the yeah. new Maurice Podoloff Trophy is. With all due respect to that one. Yeah. Uh, um. So we're doing three podcasts a week. We've been doing it for six weeks now. It's a lot of discussion about the NBA. I don't think we've devoted more than a couple of sentences to the Houston Rockets so far. And the Houston Rockets have gotten two good wins in the last week. They won 
in Phoenix. Uh, and then they won in double overtime against the Sixers on Monday night. Um, Sixers still not whole, but James Harden came back. And in my view, laid an egg. I mean, he missed a month, so I'm not expecting him to come out and be MVP Harden. But he was 4-19, had seven turnovers. And the Rockets won that game in double overtime. So I do think it would, just to be responsible, and I, I haven't been, like, specifically avoiding them, you know, Um there hasn't been reason to talk about. But they're a bottom four offense and bottom four defensive team. Yeah. Um, not, not anymore on offense. They're up to 24th. Okay. I take it back. Uh, they, were, they were boosted by uh, scoring. They scored a bunch of points in Phoenix and then a bunch of points against the uh, Sixers. Um, so let me ask you, uh, Pelton. Um, they are, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I they're, they're trying to get another high pick. So, I mean, you could argue what they're doing is being very successful. I will say that it hasn't been the most impressive beginning for Jabari Smith uh, Jr., the number three pick. Um, He's getting a lot of minutes. He's playing 30 minutes a game. He's just not shooting it real well. I mean, he's got great size. I mean, mean, you know, he's, I got, he's getting opportunity. Yeah, he's getting opportunity. I'm not stunned that he's struggling. I just, yeah, it should be said that he's struggling. He's shooting under 37% overall. He's shooting 36% on three. He did hit some big shots in this game. He's averaging 12 points. He's rebounding well. He's averaging seven rebounds. Pelton, what are you seeing with Jabari and, and the Rockets so far? So I think the big surprise with Jabari is that he he shot so poorly out of the gate to begin his rookie season. He was 32% from the field, 30% from three through his first 13 games since then. And this is something our colleague, Jonathan Gavoni wrote about yesterday on, on ESPN or on Monday on ESPN uh, last 10 games. Now 42% on threes, 43% overall. So, you know, still would like to see him shoot better inside the arc, but kind of that ability to be, you know, a plus shooter at, 610 6'11 in the front court and you know a matchup problem from that standpoint has started to manifest itself because that's I think it was a combination of that and his defensive versatility is what stood out when you watched Jabari. So he's up to 14 points a game in that span. And then the other thing that has really been a difference maker for them is you know they're the other guy that they're building around, Jalen Green, the number two pick uh, last season in the wins. That they've had, which they've gotten some good wins. They've already now got five against teams that are 500 or better, including four in the last 10 games when they're five and five. Last season, they had seven of those wins all season. They were had the league's worst record by far against teams that were 500 and better or better. Uh, in wins, Jalen Green, 27 points per game, 38% from three. In losses, 19 points per game, 29% from three. So when he yeah. scores efficiently, suddenly this team gets kind of difficult to beat. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say this about about Jabari. He sprained his ankle in training camp and missed some time. And that's just it's hard to ask a rookie to do that. Then he got like, I don't know if it was the flu. I don't think it was COVID, but he got sick for like a week and he talked about how it really affected him. But I will say this, Spears, like you remember when like uh, you know, up to draft night, the magic were debating between Jabari and Ben Carroll. A lot of people thought they were gonna go with Jabari it's kind of a tall order to go to a team like the Rockets and play with those young, still learning guards. 
um, you're not necessarily going to be, you know, in, in, in Orlando, Bancaro, he gets the ball in his hand a lot. He's having a great year. I mean, they're totally building everything around him. Plus Jabari his game is, so much more like ready. It was. And everybody knew it, that. It, it, it was right. that. He, he was ready to go. And, and physically, I think, is a big part yeah. of it. Physically, yeah. mentally, he was just like, I saw him at Duke last year, and I'm like, this dude's a true freshman. He's the leader of this team. Like, he, 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 he doesn't play like his age. He certainly plays much older. The other thing I'll say about the Rockets, um, the, the other guy they drafted in the first round, Tari Eason. Yeah. Um, there were some people who thought he would correct me if I'm wrong, Pelton. Like he, I don't remember where Gavoni had him, but I remember talking to some people that thought he was going to go late lottery. Um, and uh, he slipped up. What was he? 17th pick. Yep. Something like that. He has really good size. He's six, eight, six, nine, and he's yeah. got good defensive instincts. Now they're not a good defensive team. So I'm not sitting here saying they're, you know, but um, he's he's looked like um, a lottery talent so far. That was a, a good draft pick. Yeah. And then well, where did he go to college? Where, where, where is he from? I believe, I believe it was one of the Tigers. I can't remember which Tigers. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> he, was and he, he got, he'd be honest, he got, beat, he got beat up before the draft. Like, I was hearing things like, oh, man, this dude don't remember no plagues. His basketball IQ is bad. He's he's going to be a bust. Then he goes to Summer League, and he looked amazing at Summer League. Which Summer League is Summer League, but he just looks like he's an NBA player. Just And I think well, he's got – if I ran an NBA team, I don't know much. I, I, I don't trust my eyes. I trust the, the professionals I talk to's eyes when it comes to evaluation. But if I had a team in the modern NBA, I would not want to put a forward out on the floor who was less than six eight. I would want yeah. giants. Yeah. And athletic, long arms. And Tari Eason is that type of player. So yeah, can do everything. I would have been very interested in him just because of his size. Yeah. What were you saying, Pelton? I mean, I think part of the pushback was probably in response to the fact that the analytics models that I've heard from other people and certainly mine all seem to love Eason is maybe not just a top 10, but maybe even like fringes of the top five kind of prospect in, the, in last year's draft. So, you know, that's probably the the excitement that was getting pushed back a against a little bit. But uh, uh, no surprise then that a guy like that ended up in Houston. Obviously, that was the same thing with Elperon Shengun last year. And, you know, one of the things that stands like out Shen to Goon me, too. yeah, I mean, he's uh, an incredibly creative player. It was fun to watch him go against Jokic last week, uh, even though those games ended poorly for the Rockets because, uh, you know, he was the guy that uh, he kind of modeled his game after, as you can see. But the thing that stands out with the Rockets is for a young team, for a team that's near the bottom of the standings, they don't put bad players on the court very often. You know, they've got a pretty deep rotation of young talent and they just kind of need some of these these guys, you know, the the top draft picks that we think have a lot of potential to start poppy as stars, I think is what allows them to take the next step. You, you said this year it's important for them to get the draft pick. Next year, I think it's a I don't know if Oklahoma City has it like protected. I think next year uh it's probably a time for them to start moving up in the standings since they're not going to be as concerned with the draft pick. 
And, I, and so I'm I really also, curious to see, like, how Jalen Green continues to progress. I mean, I, I saw him in high school, a prolific prep, electric player. Um, he's got to shoot the ball better. Definitely has to shoot the ball better. He, he's He's been struggling um, from three, and also his field goal percentage probably needs to be a little bit higher. But once – but he still has good numbers. I I, I expect him – once his he he shores up his 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 shooting, his three point shooting, become one of the you know elite scorers in the NBA, but there's there's certainly still um, kind of like a up and down road with him offensively, but he he is certainly too one of the I hope he gets in the dunk contest one of the more like a young electric players to keep an eye on. Well, you know who might want to be in the dunk contest is another guy I want to mention on this team is KJ Martin. Oh yeah. KJ Martin. Kudos to him, man. Yeah. He's, he's in his third year. He's, he's about to, he's about to have a birthday in about a month to turn 22. He's um, second round pick. He is carved out. He's, he's now looking like a guy who could play in this league for a long time. Yeah. Um, He's averaging 11 points, having the best year of his career. He's field goal percentage has always been really good. He's a power dunker, power dunker, just like his dad. Yeah. Um, his uh, Kenyon Martin uh, senior, his dad. You can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch hit strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa birds, old timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on direct TV. That means direct TV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes. Stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. But Kenyon was telling me this kid's going to be a star. He's got more bounce than me. I'm like, that's not possible, man. It's like, yeah, he could, <laughs> he could jump. He could jump higher than me. Um, and the kid, like, bet on himself, man. He bet on himself. And a lot of people were, like, laughing about him going into the, to the draft and everything and figured it out. He's figured it out. And he's a hard, hard worker. And, you know, I know Kenyon's really, really proud of, you know, where this kid has come from since he, you know, shutting them down and, and, uh, but I'm, I'm wondering what Houston is going to do with him contract wise too. Like, well, I have heard one of the reasons I started paying more attention to him is as I was talking to league executives, I heard some executives talking about how they were interested in trading for him. It uh, doesn't mean Houston's going to trade for him. doesn't mean he's available, whatever. But I the mean, first he, time he requested I, and, a trade over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, there, maybe that's why I heard, but uh, there are some teams that are like 
would like to trade for him. <laughs> should he? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Should, um, well, so, you, and they're in that interesting spot that we've seen this with a few guys. I mean, Jalen Brunson went one way. Uh, Nikola Jokic went another. Obviously, it's not at their level, but where they're going to have a team option where they could make decline that option and he would be restricted next summer, or they pick up the option, they get him one more year at the minimum, but then he becomes an unrestricted free agent like Brunson yeah. was at the end of his contract. So I, it would make sense for them to start uh, talking extension at this point because of that decision. Yeah. He has, I can tell you this. I don't know what his value was when he asked for the trade, which I totally forgot, but he has value now. As I talk to teams, he has value. There are teams yeah. who would who would like to trade for him today. They yes. could. You mentioned Shengun earlier. Shengun was taken. Was he in the lottery? He was just outside the lottery last year. Yeah, um, I think he might have. Yeah, has moved into the starting lineup this year. He's averaging uh, fifteen points and nine rebounds. Um, they have a kind of a varied center rotation in, with the Rockets. I'm not going to get into it right now. But I want to say this about Shingun. Something happened just in the last day or so. I think it was last night. He became the youngest center ever with 1,000 points and 200 assists. Wow. Uh, he's only 21. Or he's only 20. He's not even 21 yet. He turns Turkish, um, Turkish yep. from Turkey, born in 2002. Um, when Kenyon Martin was Kenyon Martin of number one pick in 2002, I think. No, no earlier than 99, that. maybe. Oh, 2000. Yeah, it was 2002. Um, yeah. You know, Spears mentioned something to me uh, before this pod, Pelton, that earlier this week, or I guess maybe it was over the weekend, Draymond Green passed Michael Jordan in total three-pointers made. And you would never consider... I, want, um, I definitely want you to ask Pelton about this. <laughs> you would never consider Draymond... Uh, a, a historic three-point shooter, although he's had his moments. Game seven of the finals, it looked like he was going to win finals MVP for about 15 or 20 minutes there. He had one of the hottest. He's basically been cold ever since, but he, in the game seven of the 2016 finals, he was unconscious from outside. Um, well, he only shoots threes well when Steve Kerr is not coaching the team, right? That was the that was the storyline because he shot it so well the first half of that season when Kerr right. was sidelined and, and Luke Walton yeah. was the acting head coach. Right. <laughs> he and Kerr always get along. I don't see how there could ever possibly be an issue. <laughs> um, but just this it, kind of same thing with Shen Goon, like he's setting the historic records. It's such a different game now. And obviously Jordan wasn't a three-point shooter. I'm not implying that, but he, you know, he did make some. But what Spears was asking, well, Spears, why don't you ask him? No, uh, so my question was, and I said I, I would love to hear Pelton's talk about this, is like how should we like view, generationally view stats when you see, respectfully, my guy Draymond Green, you know, pass Jordan on threes or LeBron's, about to pass Kareem on points when three-point shooting was not a part of that era. Um, I, I actually will be more impressed with LeBron's probably eventual passing of Kareem and field goals made than the points part. But, like, how do you, like, look at a Draymond passing Jordan? And how do you look at, like, um, you know, the Kareem record? And, and, like, how should it be viewed? statistically yeah to me it's like yourself to me i think it's the, now the three-pointers themselves is an interesting question because obviously like you know 
it's less probably with someone like Jordan. It's more like if you go back to the players who were considered the three point shooters of his day, like, you know, Del Curry is a good example because we see what his sons have been able to do in a much more prolific three point era. And you're like, you know, he averaged like one three a game. And now you've got guys who are non shooters that average much more than that. So that I, that I think is more challenging. But, you know, I, I think this comes up with all sorts of things like, we talked about the number of 30 point scores the last time I was on, on the small sample size pod and, you know, general efficiency being up. And I think you have to look at it all relative to kind of the standard of the league at the time. And, you know, so it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to score 25 points in a league where the the average is 115 a night as it did to do it in 2000 when the average was hundred a night. And that's why, you know, I think if you look at the advanced statistics, you know, it's it's usually denominated in terms of wins, you know, wins added, wins above replacement player, like my metric. And that's going to be a constant. Like that changes might vary based on the length of the schedule and the number of teams. But, you know, it doesn't matter how many points per game there are to win. So the, the historical metric that I came up with is called championships added. And the idea is that, look, it doesn't matter again what the stats are. There's always only one championship to add. So that's kind of what you use as your your North Star in those discussions more than anything else. Now, I do think one thing that sometimes gets forgotten is what offense is like today is high scoring as it is, is, is actually in some ways, it wasn't efficient like this, but is more similar to the way that the game was played in the 60s and early 70s. And it was really kind of when a lot of us were coming into the league in the 90s and the 2000s that you know that's when scoring really bottomed out because of the way that defenses had evolved and the rules were at that point uh so you know you you mentioned Kareem one of the interesting things that I went to go look up you look at seasons with 20 plus points per game and a true shooting percentage of at least 600 without a three point line Kareem has the most of those of anybody we, I guess we could do this as a trivia question as well. He's got 11. Number two is a player who came up, I think, in the trivia section last week, who you would probably never think of, is who has the second most, or number, I'm sorry, number two is KD. Number three is someone you would never think of in this list, is most 20 plus points per game seasons with at least a 600 true shooting percentage. Hit me. From the 1980s. Um, Benoit Benjamin. <laughs> no, no, Adrian Dantley. Oh, oh this yeah, is the yeah. second week in a row, Adrian. Yeah, that's what I said. Up. Yeah, that's why yeah. I, I thought that. that was my, uh, so and Spears, he's got yeah, nine, go and then Harden, LeBron, and Steph each have eight. So Adrian Dantley's still ahead of them. Kareem is still ahead of them. Still, KD will likely tie him this season. So Spears, you just mentioned. I'd never thought about this field goal. I just looked it up. As of right now, LeBron has a game against the Cavs tonight. Kareem has twenty one hundred more. Uh, 20, like 2,100 more field goals than LeBron does. And he only took about right now. He's only taking about a thousand more shots. Um, yeah. I don't think LeBron's going to LeBron averages right now. He's averaging 10 field goals a game. I don't think it's going to go up that much. So he would need 200 plus games if he doesn't have any fall off. Would you uh, agree with me that like, that's the more impressive record? I've never that- thought about it. I've never thought about it. I mean, so Kareem shot 56% in his career. Yeah. Um, LeBron is is at 51, just under 51, 50.4, which is really good. Um, 
LeBron fans would say, well, LeBron shots are more difficult than Kareem's. Well, obviously. yeah, I mean, they're scored differently. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, they're complete. They're very, very different players. I mean, you know, LeBron yeah. just passed magic in career assists. Yeah. Uh, but that I mean, field goals record is, is that's a tough <laughs> one, boy. Wow. I mean, he would need three more years of playing 80 games. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I, 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 well, not 80. He would need three more years of playing 70. Becoming the all time leading scorer. But that field goal record, that's, that's to be the golden one right there. If you could get that, if you could pass Kareem and field goals made, woo, that's, that's rolling. Well, he's already actually, you know, it's it's a weird this record is going to be so weirdly received because so much of the modern era people just care about the the uh, the playoff performance. And as much as this record is a testament to prolonged and consistent greatness and so many things you have to go through mentally, physically, it's it's a regular season record. Yeah. You know, so, but, but man, I did not realize he was that many, that many, uh, that's skyhook, man. And Uh, and, and it's worth noting LeBron is number two on that list. Like he's already passed Carl Malone. Like that's how far Kareem is ahead of everybody in NBA history in that one. Goes back to what I said. We got to give Kareem more respect. Like he's never in the GOAT conversation, which I don't understand. But, I mean, LeBron already has about a thousand, a little more than a thousand more free throws than Kareem took. So, hmm. um, yeah, there was one thing about the skyhook is it it didn't necessarily result in it's hard to foul as often as the other grab around his waist. Yeah, um, I got to see Kareem play in person a couple times, and it that that thing was so pretty, boy. That skyhook is so pretty. It was elegant. You know, it was elegant. Uh, I loved um, the Showtime series. I can't remember what it was called on HBO. I know that it was a. Fe- I, I, I stopped totally- watching it after I because I read the Showtime book, and then I, I, I get it. I get it. Like when I, I saw it. respectfully to Norm Nixon, you're not beating Magic badly in a one-on-one game at a party, man. Like, I get it. I'm not, and like, and for the like for the people who were like obviously. Jerry West is furious. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure Pat Riley, I'm sure Pat Riley, you know, doesn't like him sort of being presented at times, like sort of bumbling. Um, Spencer but, Haywood talks to me like it was all true. He, he's loving this. I know. I saw. Told, <laughs> like, come yeah. on, Spencer. <laughs> I, I mean, I was surprised, like, obviously, some of the specific scenes involving Spencer is that that scene at Donald Sterling's white party were invented. But I was kind of surprised. I read the book after I had finished the series, and I was surprised how much of it was straight from the book because I hadn't read it in yeah. like eight, but nine I, years. I actually thought the book was so good, like, you didn't have to really change anything, but. I did agree with that. Yeah. Oh, winning time, not uh, not Showtime. Winning time. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. Look, I I enjoy like you know we just had Ramona Shelburne on a, f- a few weeks ago, and uh, you know she's her her podcast on the Sterling affair is being made into a miniseries, and like yeah. you know she hasn't told me all the plot points because she's kept secret on that, but you know there are going to be 
things that are just based on a true story. They're, you know, they're going to make them more interesting or change the plot points to, to make it. But yeah, I loved it. And I mean, uh, I, I, you know, Kareem, I think Kareem criticized that he's pretty upset with the way they're presenting him, but uh, I don't think it hurt. didn't like it. Yeah. Well, also they had their own documentary that was coming out that, yeah. Um, if you're a Lakers fan, you probably loved, but was nowhere near as popular as winning time. So um, I get it. It's, I don't play it, but I don't think it's like, I thought it made Jerry Buss look awesome. And it didn't make him look like he was <laughs> infallible. It, it showed his vulnerabilities, but it also showed his vision. Well, you and know, there's more coming. There's more spoofs oh, coming yeah. up. Well, Jeannie, it was funny. Jeannie, Jeannie didn't talk much about it, but when she did talk about it one time, she she um, referenced one scene where she did think it was accurate. So, but anyway, um, I enjoyed watching the Kareem part in that in that show, regardless of how much it was based on a bit of a caricature. But um, you know, part of the reason why Kareem isn't sort of more involved in basketball is that he can kind of be difficult at times. He's been difficult <laughs> at times and, and uh, not everybody is, um, you know, been anxious. I remember at one time he really wanted to, to coach more and it just, you know, it just didn't work out and people were like, yeah. well, I don't know if he's suited to be a coach. Um, but anyway, that's, those stats are, uh, are remarkable. So I was uh, at a right. real quick. There's another, my last story time. I'm sorry. Oh no, please. I, we'll make time. I got a, a, was at a San Jose State event, and Kareem, Jim Brown, and Dr. Harry Edwards were like sitting in a corner talking. I was on like in this panel group with them, and I just I was too intimidated to go say hi. Like I was like, that's just too powerful. You're not an intimidatable guy, Pierce. <laughs> it's it's that something uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, they were they were at this restaurant in San Jose at the Fairmont Hotel, and they were just holding court and. I just stayed away, man. And I, I just, it, it, it said, stay away. Like, and that, but I just, I just wanted to ear hustle. You know what I mean? I, I was, I'm sure that conversation was incredible. And Dr. Well, Edwards would tell me now, you should have came over. I'm like, eh. I felt, I, felt like, uh, I felt like that was too, too high power for me to join. There's some footage that exists uh, and it's been slowly rolling out. They filmed it for a reason of the practice, the Showtime guys got together in Hawaii last year yeah. and they ran a practice and magic was running. Riley was running them through the paces and magic was running pick and rolls and Kareem was making sky hooks. And like, that is definitely my childhood. I remember watching those dudes when I was like, you know, eight oh, nine yeah. years old. So. I saw Kareem's last game at golden state and, or uh, during his final season. And I was, they gave him a yacht. That was his like they did. To go. I remember they gave him presents when he like they were giving yeah. him like rocking chairs and stuff. They gave him a yacht. They gave him a yacht, man. And I just remember oh, sitting in the nosebleeds with my dad and all I said, okay, they gave him a boat. They gave him a yacht. Like I thought it was <laughs> like I've always wanted to ask him whatever happened to that boat. I know you gotta go. I, I would read that story. But I the story about Korean that I remember was the directors of Airplane. Mm-hmm. They wanted, you know, if you ever saw Airplane, God, I wonder how many part of our. Have you seen Airplane, Pelton? Oh yeah, of course, that's a classic. Okay, good, thank you. All right, he plays the co-pilot in the airplane, Roger Murdoch, and it's there's it's iconically funny. But 
they went through several athletes trying to get him to, to get that role and they couldn't line it up. And they really, really wanted Kareem and Kareem said no. And they were talking to his agent and they were like, how could we get Kareem to do this? We really want him to do this. He's like, look, Kareem just saw an Oriental rug that he really, really wants. It must've been huge. And he's like, it's $30,000. Kareem cannot bring himself to spend $30,000 on this rug, but he really wants it. So if you go offer him $30,000 or whatever it was, 32,000 or whatever, I bet he would take the part because it was only like two days of shooting to, so he could buy this rug. <laughs> they did. And I assume he did. I, I don't remember, but it was in, it was an oral history of like the 30th anniversary of airplane or 40th anniversary of airplane. That story was in there. And so he, Kareem would have to, you know, back that story up. But according to the director of the movie, basically Kareem did that part for a rug. That's Very nice. Fantastic. rug. So, all right. Thank you, Pelton. Thank you, Spears, for story time. You can tell your stories any anytime. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you with the Tims on Friday. Peace. I hope the rug Thanks, really Spears. tied the room together. All right. Thanks, fellas. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs>